Hello there, this is Dr. Ganguera coming to you from Authentic Biochemistry Studios in the Inland Pacific Northwest of the USA. Today is the eighth day of June, 2021. Now today, I want to talk about metabolic diseases. It's a generalized category, but I think it's about time we bring this into the discussion with aging. Um, as you know, we're working towards finalizing a series of lectures that is going to put all this aging material together. Uh, it's going to be several lectures long for sure, but I want to be able to make some uh, synoptic observations before I do that so that we don't have like a three-hour lecture to summarize because that's not much of a summary. So what I'm going to do is make synoptic lectures and then use those as modules when I do the final product. Again, Dr. Dan Guerra, Authentic Biochemistry. So one of the things you can ask, um, there's various concepts that, that are uh, necessary to comprehend what causes metabolic disease, which then, of course, can lead to high levels of morbidity and that morbid uh, physiological state becomes pathophysiological and pathobiochemical by foundational nature, and that can result then in death. So what about effects of malnutrition? Well, think about chronic congestive heart failure, very common metabolic-associated disease involved in uh, later stages of life that can lead to high levels of morbidity and, of course, to mortality. So chronic congestive heart failure, you have increased venous pressure, you have hepatic, GI, and renal congestion. That can lead to a series of potential uh, morbidities, dyspepsia, anorexia, malabsorption phenomena, impaired digestion, of course, totally uh, decreasing the amount of protein digestion that occurs. That is all a component of malnutrition. We also have decreased cardiac output with chronic congestive heart failure. That can lead to fatigue and weakness, uh, decrease in appetite, which then also leads into malnutrition. Finally, this de decreased cardiac output can cause a decrease in aerobic glycolysis, meaning running through the TCA cycle finally, and of course, you're going to get impaired energy uh, production. So the bioenergetics uh, be become um, limiting. All of that can be compounded into what we call malnutrition, which is going to then ultimately decrease the two reserves the body tends to maintain. One is, of course, carbohydrate, which is very limiting and can be removed entirely within a 48-hour period. And here I'm talking about glycogen primarily in the liver and, of course, all the glycogen stored in the periphery and the skeletal muscle. But the big thing is a decrease in lipid reservoir and the depot fat. Now, because lipid reserves become depleted and you have high circulating uh, lipoprotein fractions, that can cause dyslipidemia which is another often occult form of morbidity in the elderly, even when the elderly are not grossly obese or overweight. It's because of the malabsorption and utilization of the uh, circulating 
lipoproteins because of a lack of expression of the receptors associated in, for example, in the liver. The liver also can become fatty. And when this happens, liver function decreases, further leading to malabsorption and malnutrition. This can then lead to proteinopathies, that is protein aggregation because of uncorrected uh, um, aspects of the folding response and endoplasmic reticulum because of carbohydrate metabolism becoming corrupted. Therefore, glycoprotein synthesis is corrupted. This can lead then to a breakdown of more protein intracellularly because of the levels of autophagy that are occurring to replenish the macromolecules necessary to keep the cell going as the senescence stage starts to approach. And when you get protein uh, proteinopathies, you also get a decrease in total protein um, reserves so that the turnover of amino acids to make new polypeptides, the translation machinery necessary for that, for example, for enzymatic machinery, also decreases. So in the later stages of life, you have decreased lipid and protein reserves, even if you have adequate amounts of depot fat. And the reason that you don't have good uh, lipid reserves available is because of the lack of good trafficking for the lipoprotein fraction. <clears throat> so this becomes a serious problem. And of course, it's usually a cult. Now, let's think about the respiratory system for um, aspects of the effect of malnutrition. So malnutrition decreases the actually the structure of lung parenchyma, and that's due to this overall diminished protein synthesis. So that means you get an increased compliance of lung, and that means increased workload for breathing. Now, in association with that, you get a visceral protein loss, which I was just describing to you, which further decreases respiratory muscle function. And all that is going to affect both the endurance and contractility. And then that's going to give you a decreased vital capacity. This is all from the cardiovascular system that we're speaking. <clears throat> so we can think about chronic obstructive pulmonary disease as being associated with malnutrition, if you're following along with this lecture. <clears throat> with COPD, you get an increased workload of breathing. This will, of course, decrease intake and appetite, which will give you a gastrointestinal upset secondary to the competition between meal intake and, of course, breathing for energy. This is going to result in an energy deficit, which is going to further um, exacerbate malnutrition because you're going to be getting catabolism and where protein degradation becomes very prominent intracellularly. You're going to have bioenergetic issues, and you're going to start getting weight loss. Because of this, the lack of protein synthesis is going to have a decrease in serum albumin, so the lack of mobilization of fatty acid and lipids such as vitamin D in the uh, serum. And this is going to further cause muscle wasting uh, or sarcopenia. You then get a further decrease in respiratory muscle strength and endurance is the endothelial cells, and of course the heart muscle itself. You'll get diaphragm, diaphragm fatigue, and you'll get ventilary failure. Now associated with this also, with an increased workload of breathing in 
association with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which is a common occult disease in the elderly. <clears throat> you get an increased energy need, and also in the obese, you get increased energy need, which means you have increased oxygen consumption, but less of that oxygen being fully utilized in the electron transport chain, that is the full reduction of oxygen to water because of the inhibition of protein synthesis and the mitophagy that goes on and associated with the autophagy. And then sometimes uh, all that linked to, uh, again, a, a decrease in the amount of protein synthesis because of the inavailability of transfer RNA and the inavailability from transcriptional decreases and the inavailability of free amino acids. So it's going to yield both an energy deficit and a deficit in primary source amino acids, transfer RNA, and also in a decrease in uh, net fatty acid synthesis and cholesterologenesis, which is necessary to replenish the membranes. All of this can also increase carbohydrate metabolism and this can lead, again, to an inefficiency in bioenergetics because uh, we, we get much less ATP from carbohydrate metabolism, particularly anaerobic glycolysis, than the full uh, completion of the TCA cycle. And again, this is because of interruptions in the electron transport chain because of mitochondrial deficiencies. So this, again, is going to increase carbon dioxide levels, and that increases the overall ventilatory failure, which is a component of uh, the disease COPD, but it's also a component of the aging process. So what about the immune system and its association with malnutrition? Of course, the immune system is totally dependent on protein synthesis. And so a lack of protein will impair the immune response. And that's due again to this deficiency in amino acids because of the lack of appropriate protein turnover. So with a decrease in the amount of transfer RNA, except the transfer RNAs and amino acids, you get a diminished immunoglobulin and cytokine biosynthesis. This means too, because of a diminished capacity for B and T cells respectively <clears throat> to carry out their function, you start getting energy and you also start getting apoptosis and before apoptosis autophagy. So that means a total lymphocyte count diminished uh, capacity. And this will then, of course, mean a decreased reaction to antigen stimulation, either via antigen presentation directed to the T cell receptor for the naive T cells or the nation CD4, CD8 positive T cells, uh, but also <clears throat> a lack of antigen presentation, antigen um, required B cell activation, which means less antibody production overall. This means you can get a decrease in lymphoid tissue mass, <clears throat> a decrease in circulating TMB lymphocytes. Um, because of that, a backup in phagocytic function and the presentation of antigen by the uh, antigen cells, which are phagocytic as well. And that also, because of the lack of protein synthesis, it gives you a decrease in complement activities. So you can see how the immune system starts to degenerate with malnutrition. Again, malnutrition, we're not talking about lack of um, total calories in the diet. It means lack of absorption or lack of utilization of calories, both from the essential and non-essential components 
<clears throat> this can also be because of the decrease in utilization of depot fat, which is going to have a high caloric um, input if you have a decrease in food consumption. Again, this is all happening in the elderly. So malnutrition doesn't mean lack of calories. It just means that the nutrition you are getting is below the level that's necessary, but below that coefficient where you're going to be able to get efficient absorption of all the essentials. That includes essential fatty acids like linoleic and alpha-linolenic acid from the diet, which are necessary to maintain the omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids, and therefore appropriate phospholipid and, and uh, glycerol phospholipid and, and phospholipids in the sphingolipid family so that you have a diminishment of trafficking, signaling, and also membrane fluidity because of the lack of very long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acid synthesis. This is all going to contribute to the morbidity in the elderly. Also, you're going to get a deficient deficiency in vitamin C, and this is because of a decreased mobility of neutrophils, which are involved in vitamin C carry. Vitamin A, this is going to be associated uh, with a lymphoid tissue atrophy. All the B group vitamins and amino acids is also going to be linked to lymphoid tissue atrophy, decreased immunoglobulins and interferons and cytokines, also a decrease in acute phase proteins, um, deficiency in fatty acids, both essential and non-essential, is going to give you, again, a tremendous impairment of lymphocyte function because lymphocytes tend to utilize fatty acids when they're activated. Uh, iron availability, zinc and selenium, also going to be decreased uh, because of the lack of phagocytic function uh, in macrophages, for example. Uh, lymphoid tissue atrophy is going to lead to deficiencies in zinc, and decreased antibody production is, of course, going to be associated with selenium um, deficiencies. Again, th thinking about various components of the immune system and of uh, the redox uh, system for removing reactive oxygen. Now, what kind of stimuli can exacerbate this malnutrition? Well, the kind of stimuli that uh, gets at a higher tonicity as we age. Uh, Autoinflammation, trauma, this can just deal with tissue damage and leakiness of membranes. Um, antibody antigen responses, which become multifloored and often overstimulation occurs, so you get a hyperinflammatory response. This can lead to the accumulation, sequestration, and then a blooming of toxins held in tissues, including in the adipose. And you get, again, an increase in cytokines, particularly pro-inflammatory cytokines. All of this can lead to an activation of macrophages in the M1 phase. The macrophages will then release interleukin-1, 1-beta, interleukin-2. You'll get an endogenous pyrogen lymphocyte activating factor and leukocyte endogenous mediators. What will this lead to? Well, acute phase protein synthesis in the liver. You're going to get fever induced through the hypothalamus. You're going to get proteolysis, particularly in skeletal muscle, uh, lead, uh, uh, contributing to sarcopenia. You're going to get increased insulin and glucagon release to deal with the fluctuations in carbohydrate. This can be overtaxed so then you get insulin resistance 
and then, of course, because of glucagon, an elevated le level of hormone-sensitive lipase in the adipose tissue, which means more circulating fatty acid, but less docking of that fatty acid into the appropriate receptors, but more into CD36 receptors, which is going to then lead to the potential for foam cell production and atherosclerosis. Right? Um, so that's what happens with increased insulin and glucagon release, the, the resistance factors and the foam cell production, as I said. You also get an increased antibody formation in the B cells because there's no longer any control mediated by complement or by the T cell modifications because the T cells are not being appropriately activated via their receptor. One of the reasons for that, we've talked about a great deal, that's because the, the lack of lymphoid organ generation of uh, relative naive T cells, that is of the CD4 and CD8 or double positive and indeed double negative lineages, and you're getting more mature T memory cells, which can be activated by autoantigens contributing to that pro-inflammatory state, which is so common in the elderly. You also get increased neutrophil production in the bone marrow. All of this, again, because of the, remember, the release of the mediators in the macrophages caused by all that stimulation of previous inflammatory systems. And that can, lead, that can be the um, sequelae to this high production of pro-inflammatory cytokines that we talked about at the very beginning. This can, though, further activate T cells, but the T memory lineage rather than T naive cells, because you're not getting any new antigen because it's not necessarily associated with increases in new uh, infection, although infection itself can also increase because the innate immune response because of protein synthesis deficiencies is also going to be in the nadir. Okay. So overall, you can talk about nutritional requirements of these altered health states. This is what we're leading to. So what can occur in the elderly is the same that we can occur in earlier stages of life upon um, dyslipidemic states such as obesity. And what do these involve? These involve infection, sometimes localized and sometimes global sepsis, and of course, changes in fever. Malnutrition, malnutrition was going to depress the immune system for the reasons we've been talking about. It's going to impair defense mechanisms, which is going to increase the risk for new infection. The infection then will potentiate more malnutrition because one thing, lack of feeding and lack of absorption and lack of mobilization, again, from the adipose. We were talking about fatty acids to run um, the... Um, uh, all the bioenergetics necessary for T lymphocyte activation, right? So this is all going to be exacerbated tremendously. And what you're going to end up with then is this um, dyslipidemic state uh, on top of the um, overall uh, inability to utilize the, the carbon sources you are getting because of lack of appropriate receptor turnover, right? So... You're starting to get a picture, I hope, of what these metabolic disease states is go are going to involve. It's going to be hyperinfection rates, hypo and hyperinflammatory responses, and the same following with the immune responses. Right? And that's going to alter basal metabolic rate as well. 
because of the high energy demand of all these potential infectious or non-infectious pro-inflammatory states. Okay. So trauma also can greatly increase energy expenditure. In fact, any kind of trauma to the system usually causes an elevation in bioenergetic requirement between 15 and 30, even up to 50% of normal. Because trauma is a sudden and episodic and therefore stochastic stress, catabolism is much greater than anabolism. Whenever that occurs, you're more likely to increase the amount of reactive oxygen and you're going to get a negative nitrogen balance. Again, you're not going to have enough free amino acids because a lot of the amino acids are going to be converted to alpha keto acids uh, because of the anaplerotic state of the TCA cycle to generate enough uh, carbohydrate for gonadogenesis, for example, to meet the excessive bioenergetic demands of the immune response as well as of the organ tissue mass, which is itself going through uh, autophagy. You also get on top of this stress hormones. So you get high levels of catecholamines and the catecholamines are then going to induce the use of fatty acids for energy. But because of the increases in reactive oxygen, you're going to have a decrease in electron transport chain, complete reduction of molecular oxygen to water. So that increased ROS with the inability to decrease it because of antioxidant uh, uh, absorption and also antioxidant production at the level of glutathione is going to yield, again, a highly oxidizing state in pro-inflammatory as well, further exacerbating the morbidity of the elderly. And again, as I've said many times, um, the obesogenic state. So this can all happen much earlier in the lifespan. Now, we've talked about the metabolic syndrome. Metabolic syndrome has been described for over 100 years now. And basically, it is associated with hypertension, hyperglycemia, leading to potentially type 2 diabetes, um, and also insulin resistance, right? Insulin resistance being the hallmark of type 2 diabetes. And this is one of the ways that metabolic syndrome is measured. So hypertension means usually a blood pressure greater than 140 over 90. Dyslipidemia is also a very large component because of the lack of uptake of circulating uh, HDL as well as LDL remnants back to the hepatic system. So dyslipidemia is going to mean an increase in triacylglycerol serum. Uh, anything greater than 150 milligram per deciliter is going to be called dyslipidemia. Again, high levels of HDL cholesterol. Um, and this can be uh, compliant also with oxysterol production. And this can also lead to central nervous system disorders because of apolipoprotein E metabolism in the CNS. You get central obesity being associated with the metabolic syndrome earlier in life. Again, the BMI is one of the registers we look at. Uh, anything above uh, 35 kilogram per meter squared is going to be considered an obese state. Now, that's not considering skeletal muscle, so that number isn't always absolutely valid. People look at waist to hip ratios, anything, a waist to hip ratio, anything greater than about 1.0 is going to be a problem, very likely. 
associated with central obesity. You're going to have impaired glucose handling. So again, insulin resistance. You're going to have uh, problems with insulin signaling through the IRS component. Um, and you're going to get in the potential for having diabetes also increases, right? Uh, you associate with it, you're going to also get microalbuminuria. So the albumin ratio uh, is going to be decreased. And this is because of the lack of protein synthesis. So albumin levels are also going to drop. It's another hallmark, as I've been saying, about um, what is its overall aspect of malnutrition. So you're going to get a cardiometabolic risk. And what I mean by that is a global cardiometabolic risk is an overall risk of developing type 2 diabetes plus cardiovascular disease. That includes the uh, possibility of a myocardial infarction or a stroke. And all that's due to uh, this cluster of modifiable, or at least at some stage of life, modifiable risk factors and markers. Some of those include classical risk factors like smoking, which uh, it still occurs in, in younger people and also in obese people do a lot of smoking. High, low density lipoprotein or particularly oxy low density lipoprotein remnants. So it's not just the entire lipoprotein fraction, but it's the oxy LDL derivatives, which are the most dangerous. And we've talked a lot about this. So um, try to keep that in mind. Uh, elevated blood glucose, you have hyperglycemia. You, have a, uh, you also have abdominal obesity, uh, which is, again, associated with that uh, uh, sedentary lifestyle of the elderly. So especially intra-abdominal adiposity is the major issue here. Again, insulin resistance, uh, relatively low non-oxidized HDL fraction, high circulating triacylglycerol, and then the high levels of pro-inflammatory cytokines. All of that's going to lead to a cardiometabolic risk, and that is, that is, of course, associated with a continuum. So I'm going to leave you with that today. Um, I'm going to stop a little bit early because I want you to digest some of this discussion we just went through. So this overloading of metabolic risk in association with malabsorption leading to a malnourished state is a component of the morbidities you get in aging. And that all of that is greatly accelerated at an earlier age and at a higher level of that continuum when you increase body mass, particularly in obesogenic state. Uh, this has been well known now for at least 50 years. Um, however, the obese uh, obesity crisis in the West is, just continues to increase. Uh, even during times of pandemics, obesity tends to increase because of sedentary lifestyle. Um, and so the overall pandemic that's occurring worldwide is still the obesity pandemic. And this is, um, I guess, arguably an avoidable metabolic crisis. Uh, but it's one that's very difficult to overcome in the population. So I'm going to leave you with that uh, rather uh, dire circumstance, because it is a dire circumstance. Um, but it's also the major, one of the major components of the aging process that leads to high morbidity and then mortality. Now, when I say morbidity and mortality here, particularly with the obesogenic state, it's, it causes a much more 
contracted morbidity, um, much more visits to the uh, physician's office, for example, uh, a much higher elevation of pharmacopoeia to deal with all the obesity-associated diseases, such as cardiovascular disease. We haven't even started yet to talk about cancer. The hyperimmune response and the trigger of the hyperimmune response is also directly and intimately associated with the obesogenic state. And the younger this occurs, the more that exacerbates those morbidities and the more that leads to uh, poor quality of life and ultimately then um, a death. So I'm gonna leave you with that. Dan Guerra from uh, Authentic Biochemistry Studios. It's eighth day of June, 2021. And we're gonna continue on this metabolic disease crisis. Uh, and we're also gonna bring back in, of course, uh, the very specific elements of lipid metabolism and it's associated with the immune response. And then we, I wanna link that back up to epigenetics pretty quickly, because there are a couple of components I want to um, make synoptic before we close our big discussion on aging in humans. So uh, with that, I'll say bye for now.